0: What's going on and welcome into
2: the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek on this game day. I'm Daniel Salerson. The Pelicans hit the road for three games out west starting tonight with the Portland Trail Blazers. We'll hear from Lamar Herb later on, the Pelicans or the Blazers television analyst. And uh, right now, though, we're going to jo- be joined by T-Bob A-Bear, of course, co-host of Off the Bench from 7 to 10. You can hear it on our flagship station, ESPN New Orleans. And of course, the flagship there is 104.5 in Baton Rouge. T-Bob, I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for coming.
1: Daniel, what's up, dude? Uh, I am, uh, t- it's a pleasure to be here. As you can see, I got my girl, yeah. Odie, back there slamming some eggs that we just whipped up a little last minute. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here, excited to talk some Pels, dude. Well, if she wants to bring her input, you know, we certainly add her on here in a little bit if she wants to talk
2: some Pelican. So you just let me know and we'll bring her right in.
1: <laughs> yeah, she, uh, I, I, she hasn't, uh, unfortunately, she hasn't been exposed to uh, quite as much as um, my first daughter was Alice. Like I think Alice had a uh, Anthony Davis Jersey almost maybe the day she was born. That hasn't quite been the case for ODA. We got to get her a, a, a Zion Jersey.
2: Yes. We absolutely need to hook her up with one. That's for sure. Um, let's talk about your new co-host a little bit. Obviously uh, you got Jacob Hester in the fold right now. How has that been going for you guys during off the bench?
1: It's, it's, it, it's going well, man. Um, Obviously I loved working with Jordy for years and years and I wasn't happy when everything went down and, uh changes made but like everybody else you know you just got to kind of do what you got to do and 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 then um I, I ended up teaming up with Hester and it's it's been really great I mean me and Jake had a great relationship we played together uh back at LSU he was a, a senior when I was a freshman over there on that 07 national championship team so we, we definitely you know already knew each other had a relationship but it's been um been really fantastic to get to do radio with my i think when you're talking about doing a show chemistry is something that's always a bit terrifying mm-hmm. and even people that you have chemistry with you can struggle to develop like on-air chemistry with and with jake it's already there uh which makes me really excited about like how well you know where to even get to the the, the more time we, we we end up spending together and working together
2: that's awesome to hear. Um, is he a big Pelicans fan? Have you been able to get him, you know, in the in the Pelicans mode right now, especially during the, the second half run?
1: Uh we are we are winning him over slowly but surely. Um, I, I think y'all helped as well. He he got a nice uh city edition Zion jersey, which you know juiced him up a bit. Um but, but he was never It's not that he is not a fan, but I do think he's watching more closely now. And then obviously, you know, we're on the flagship over there at 100.3 in New Orleans. And so, yeah, he's locking in more now. He's he's, um, experiencing what a lot of us longtime Pelicans fans have experienced, which are the uh, kind of insane peaks and valleys of being a Pels fan. It can be uh, very up and down at times. I mean, just... Look at the three games that you got back from the All-Star break. That's the, a prime example.
2: Yeah, no doubt about that. Of course, the, the tough loss to Minnesota, I'm just putting that lightly here on this podcast. But uh, then the few wins uh, against the Cleveland Cavaliers and Los Angeles Clippers. How, how are listeners uh, feeling about you know this team right now? You know, I'm sure you all get some, some calls and you all talk about it on your show as much as you can. How are listeners feeling, especially at least after these two wins, including that one against the Clippers on, on Sunday night?
1: The wins uh okay, so it was not good after yeah. the T loss, obviously, right? <laughs> A lot of people very upset, but uh one of the core kind of eternal truths of sports is is winning, you know, sues all wounds, right? And and so I, I mean I mean look, it's it's just I, it goes back to that Stan Van Gundy quote from the other night where I was cracking up, where I think a lot of fans uh, feel, feel like this, too. It's just like this team is capable of being really, really good. It's also capable of being really, really bad. And that makes it very interesting in a way. It makes them frustrating in others. But it does make them very exciting to watch in, in others as well. I, I, I will say this. Um, you are really feeling, as far as fans go in the interaction that we see on the show, you are truly. Seeing the Zion effect because even outside of the up and down nature of the team, he's been so consistent, so much fun to watch. Um, like so many people are excited on the team just for Zion. It makes sense. I mean, I, I think he is legitimately, objectively, the most exciting player in the NBA right now. Um, and and here's to hoping that whether it's the rest of this season or going forward even more long-term that they can translate that into some more consistent winning.
2: Yeah, no doubt about that. I mean, I agree with you as far as Zion, but are you just in awe by what you see sometimes from him, especially going to the rim uh, the way he can, you know, no matter who the defender is, whether it's Rudy Gobert or or, or someone else, just how impressive he's been um, just since they've called him playmaking Zion, but of course he's been doing this all season long, but. I mean, are you just in awe about what he's able to do every single night? I mean, the the list of records he's putting up and the people that he's being compared to, it's just crazy to think about.
1: Yeah, you know, there's the old cliche, like you are the company you keep, and it just seems like almost every night there's something like, and Zion joins Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Shaquille O'Neal as the only players to do X, and joins Michael Jordan as the only player to do X. And it's like, okay, so you see that you have a transcendent talent on your hand. Um, I mean his, his ability to finish around the rim from any angle, he is a magician. Um, he, he, finishes like he can get as creative as a guard, but he's infinitely stronger than a guard, right? So he can get as creative as like a Kyrie Irvin finding a way to finish, but just mixed with a brute strength that almost no one else has. And what you're learning now that you're getting the ball in his hand is it doesn't even have to be him finishing. He, he he can be the creator. He can be the catalyst. He can be the guy who starts the run. I mean, the move the other night where he's taking up the court, he goes behind the back, uh, starts to penetrate, three guys collapse, and then he does this little quick, you know, quick hitch floater, alley-oop to Jackson Hayes. I mean, so much of what makes Zion special was encapsulated in that one play, and that's not even him on the dunk or the finish or anything there, so... I guess that's what surprised me. We saw the finishing last year. I didn't know he could handle it like that. And I did not know that he could, that, that, that his skill set was so varied and he could distribute like that. And he had that kind of court vision. Like the sky's the limit for this cat. He, he's too strong for the small guys and he's too fast for the big guys. And the combination of the two that he is just isn't really represented in any other player in the NBA
2: a great way to describe him you mentioned the alley oops and you mentioned the dunks jackson hayes uh turned reggie jackson into the poster the other and i want you to channel your inner todd Graffinini what would have been your call what would have been what would you have said if you were able to call that jackson
1: hayes throwdown i would i would i would have probably done like something like mortal Kombat, like finish him like jack jackson hayes rips his spine out of his body and sends him to the mat i mean it was now, people could talk about catching a body. Jackson Hayes caught a body. That was as posterized, as dominant of a dunk. I mean, it's probably a top three NBA dunk all season long. I think it's super soft that uh, the refs gave him a technical. I mean, come on. You can't even talk trash if you dunk on someone anymore. Um, I also love – probably my favorite video to come out of that was Ben Simmons was streaming on Twitch, and he was playing with someone. I can't remember who. Seth Seth and- Curry. Yeah, it was Seth Curry, and, and they got his reaction live to the dunk, and it was just so fantastic for multiple reasons because, you know, it's always nice to see what, like, NBA peers think about those kind of insane plays, but beyond that, I was just kind of struck because, you know, I grew up a massive fan of video games. I would have never guessed in my wildest dreams when I was a little kid that I would have seen um, – you know, well, well, like uh, uh, an athlete, like if I was a little kid and I'm a huge fan of Ben Simmons, I never would have guessed that I could have seen him playing video games live, reacting to plays of other players that I like. Just what a what a cool time we live in for all these kind of young NBA fans out there.
2: But you need to get Zion on, on his own video game. You know, Shaq used to have one with Kazam and he'd throw basketballs and, you know, that's Shaq how food is. A, what, a, would, what would a zion interview. williamson video game look like to you if you could just it just not an nba 2k game but just zion no,
1: yeah no 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 it would be um i and this might be with Shaq Fu is. i've never actually seen Shaq play, played so maybe it's just like sneaking in my brain or maybe barkley at a game like this uh, it, it mine would be like uh off the top i had like a streets of rage like uh side-scrolling brawler type of game so, you know, like the type of game, like the old like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game, Turtle and Time, that you played at the arcade when you were younger. Yep. Uh, except you would be Zion and you would have a basketball that would be your weapon of choice. And you would be like battling through packs of enemies, uh, basically. I, I And I don't know how heavy we would go on the basketball analogy. I would probably just take him outside of basketball or, or, or make him like the chosen one. Or something, and 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 kind of maybe throw like a little Space Jam twist in there, where you're having to fight some like invading alien race or something with the power of the of 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 the of a basketball.
2: Would he have some sort of sidekick? Would he, or he would just be all by himself?
1: No, I mean, look, if if it was like a full Pelican sponsored thing, then maybe you end up rocking, like you know, I mean, like, dude, who wouldn't love like this powerful? zion character right next to this kind of you know dalcim long brandon ingram type of guy who maybe has like stretchy arms and stretchy legs or something so like you could definitely work i mean stephen adams just a, a massive brute enforcer give him like a giant club or something uh the, the 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 possibilities are endless
2: steven adams i think would be awesome right next to zion there i mean just those two bodies going at it defeating uh Anyone in their sight, I think that'd be awesome. Here, yeah, um, or just like, things-
1: like a tag team and like in a, like yeah. a wrestling game or something. That'd be that'd be incredible. I think I think we have
2: something here. Uh, a couple more things before I let you go here. Obviously, also today is Stone Cold three sixteen day, and so, so as someone that watched wrestling growing up, big big nineties wrestling guy with, with Stone yeah. Cold and The Rock. Is there anyone on the Pelicans that we could is as close? I know it's so tough with Stone Cold, but is there anyone that's as close as the Stone Cold? As a wrestler, or just the I mannerisms. I,
1: I, I so I I don't know if I see it yet from the Pelicans. In fact, I would think that with kind of some of the quotes and how the year has gone at times this year, that that Stone Cold type of character is maybe one element of this team that needs to be developed a little bit, right? I don't know that you have that enforcer type, not to the attitude of a Stone Cold. Now, Steven Adams is an enforcer in his own way, but it's not in that. Stone cold sort of way. So when you're talking about that kind of that bruiser, that dog, that guy that just gives off that intimidation factor, I think certainly Zion can eventually become that B I is, is dominant, but he's just kind of chill. Right. He's a little more laid back. Um, I, I I mean, look, Hayes slapping the head was pretty stone cold. Like, so like if if we get more of that, maybe that's where it ends up developing, but no, I, I think they could still use a little bit of a, a little bit of the rattlesnake in him.
2: I like it. I like it. A couple more things before I let you go here. Uh, Let's talk some March madness as uh, obviously you're an LSU guy. Um, Were you surprised with the eight C because I I was watching it with uh, some fellow LSU alums in the, in the studio before our game. And I think they're a little surprised by the eighth seed um, just based on how they play in the SEC tournament. Were you surprised or no?
1: Yeah, I, I, I was surprised. Um, but and look, not not to say that I am in any way like uh, an expert in that regard, but reading the experts and talking to people who do know and keep up with it way more. Um, it seemed like everybody was kind of very surprised. Uh, I Okay, so one thing that's interesting is LSU had a higher net rating than all the seven seeds, so that just in and of itself is a bit intriguing that they all get put over you despite that being the case. Uh, Not just one team, right, but four teams getting put over you. And then Will Wade uh, said something interesting where he's been saying the whole time that what you do in the SEC tournament doesn't matter and that their seed is basically already set. That's all very interesting, but, like, what if that shot goes in against Alabama and you win the SEC championship? then surely you would not be the a seed if that were the case. Right. And if that is the case, then is that miss shot really enough to justify not, you know, going all the way down to eight. So I, I look, man, I don't think it's any secret as to why, but I don't think a lot of college basketball really likes will Wade. And I don't know if it is conspiratorial because you can't justify it through the numbers, but I don't think too many college basketball powers that be are upset that will Wade is, uh, Lower seated than arguably he should be.
2: How are you watching March Madness? What is your, I guess you know, everyone talks about this weekend being the opening weekend, where there's 16 games on Friday and Saturday this year, and then eight on Sunday and Monday. How do you take in March Madness, especially with LSU in it?
1: I'll be, I'll be floating, I'll be floating in and out, you know, and uh, kind of through the weekend. Um, well, actually, are my wife and kids leaving town for the weekend? If that's <laughs> the case, I'll probably just be watching television the entire time maybe like have like some video game playing going on at the same time just fully revert back to bachelorhood Mm -hmm. but if i do have the kids here i'll be kind of floating in and out keeping a game on the screen take care of them playing with them and then uh, i'll lock it in for the lsu st bonaventure game let's go tigers versus bonnie's a tale as old as time should be a good one. I agree
2: with you. It should be a lot of fun watching March Madness over the weekend. And T-Bob, I really appreciate the time. You can catch him every morning, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10 off the bench with Jacob Hester on ESPN 100, 104.5 in Baton Rouge and 100.3 here on our flagship station in New Orleans. I appreciate the time, T-Bob. Let's do it again.
1: Yeah, absolutely, Dan. Anytime, man. Flock up. Let's go, baby. <laughs> Got to beat Portland tonight. Let's do it.
2: All right, big thanks to T-Bob Abair. We continue on this game day podcast as we're joined now by Lamar Hurd, television analyst for the Portland Trail Blazers, making his debut on the Pelicans podcast. Lamar, I really appreciate the time. Happy game day to you. My pleasure. Same to you guys. Yeah, a couple of big games here between the Pelicans and the Blazers. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But just seeing what the Blazers have done these past three out of the All-Star break, one and two, a tough loss to Minnesota. And I know this team is better than what their record has been in the last three. Is there anything to the little slippage out of the gate? Or is it just something that, you know, happens to teams during a, a long NBA season?
0: The first game was against the Phoenix Suns, who, as you guys know, are one of the best teams in the entire league right now. And Phoenix is the kind of team you better be at full strength going against them. The Blazers are not at full strength. They get one step closer tonight, finally, with the return of C.J. McCullum, who got injured in the 13th game of the season this year and was playing his best basketball. He was putting up all-star numbers, so that would be nice. Uh, the Blazers' next loss came against Minnesota after beating Minnesota. It was one of those quirky back-to-backs where you play the same team literally two days in a row. And uh, the rookie, Anthony Edwards for Minnesota had a, a career game of 34 points for him. Uh, he just went off, had a great night. It wasn't even like a Carl Anthony Towns takeover type of situation. It was the rookie, Edwards, who led the Timberwolves to a victory. And uh, the Blazers are able to acknowledge that as a bad loss. You don't want to lose to the only team in the league who is in single digits in the wins column. That was Minnesota's ninth win on the season. And so you try to make up for it with uh, some home games coming up this week.
3: Unfortunately, Lamar, we know a little bit about losing to the Timberwolves as well, because that was the Pelicans' first game coming out of the All-Star break. And not only did Anthony Edwards, Edwards have a big game, but a bunch of other guys, um, also broke out kind of for Minnesota that game. So not as much shame in losing to them maybe <laughs> since the all-star break than there was before they seem to be playing better. But in terms of uh, the trailblazers, a lot of people have talked about the season that Damian Lillard's had this year. I know people have talked about him as being in the MVP discussion. You mentioned how shorthanded the blazers have been, and it's been for a while the case. Um, what, what's been the most impressive part of Damian Lillard's season so far of what he's been
0: able to do? It's kind of um, true to who he is. You could look at this season, but really each season over the last four or five years, Dame has done some degree of what he's doing right now. Typically it's after the all-star break, the team makes this monumental jump. They win at one of the highest rates of the league because Dame has this situational awareness where he can see... As the season's coming to a close, the team neither or either needs to win enough to get into the playoffs or to get home court advantage. And he'll look at that situation and he'll just take his play to a different level. Well, this year, the situation that arose was Yusuf Nurkic, your starting center, gets hurt. CJ McCollum gets hurt. Both of those guys got hurt within one game of each other. And then you come into the year, Zach Collins, who's supposed to be your starting man, is not available. Uh, Right now, Harry Giles, who is a reserve big man, he was injured. He's finally coming into tonight's injury report is questionable rather than not available. Uh, So Dame is just able to look at the situation for what it is and never make excuses, doesn't throw teammates under the bus, doesn't throw his coaches under under the bus. It could be after the worst loss, guys, and he'll show up in front of the cameras and he'll take full accountability for whatever happened. And on the flip side, whenever he has one of those huge games, like he was able to the last time he was in New Orleans and the team was able to sneak out of there with that win, he doesn't make it all about himself. He goes straight to his teammates, and it's not in some kind of fake way. It's truly how he thinks. He truly thinks that as he's averaging nearly 30 points a game, which is the case for him this season. He feels like, well, a big reason for that is because of the positions my teammates are putting me in. I'm getting trapped at the top of the key. So when I pass it, they got to make the right decisions. They have to make the right shots. He's able to acknowledge that while also being able to be honest and say, and I'm really good too, so I can get it done myself.
3: I think one of the, you know, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's really wrapped up in individual stuff or even the MVP talk. But I think one of the one of the things on the list that you could check off of um, to make a case for him is just the way that they've stayed competitive. Um, we've seen other teams in the league be, be without one of their top, you know, three players, Portland, basically, a lot of people would say haven't had their second and third best players, and they still have been able to be in the, in the top six in the West. Besides Damien though, so far that, that a lot of people know about, what are some of the other reasons why uh, the, the have has been able to play as well as they have?
0: It's been different guys at different times. So CJ McCollum making a return tonight. Well, who stepped up in his absence? Gary Trent Jr., who a lot of the NBA found out about last season during the Orlando bubble games when he was just on fire the entire time, had the second most made threes, I believe, in bubble play in the regular season uh, next to Damian Lillard. Uh, So both of those guys were on fire. And Gary has carried that into this season. During CJ's absence, Gary was averaging around 18 points a game. And he's shooting above 40 percent from three. And that's that's while going through a massive slump right now. There was a point in time he was like at 44, 45 percent on like three makes per game. So he's been outstanding. Anthony Simons, who you guys just saw as the dunk contest winner. Mm -hmm. Well, what he does just as well as Duncan is shooting threes. He's been above 40 percent all season long. And once CJ went out and Anthony's minutes went up, Anthony's scoring went up. So rather than registering all these single digit scoring games, all of a sudden he's scoring double digits each night. And then Robert Covington, who was one of the prize acquisitions of this off season, primarily for his defense, he's found his shoot and stroke. He started off the season uh, really poorly from the three-point line and it's not his standards. He's a 36% career three-point shooter. And there was uh, weeks at the start of this year where he was at 30 percent or below. So he was really struggling. And now those numbers have raised. Uh, Also, Ennis Cantor. Ennis Cantor is who Coach Terry Stotts, the Blazers coach, calls uh, the most consistent player on the team. And that's with Damian Lillard on the roster. So, you know, that's saying a whole lot. And the reason Coach Stotts said that is because it brings the same energy and effort and hustle every single game and every single play. And I know that can sound like a cliche, but with him, it's actually true. Watch the game tonight. <laughs> You'll see. Like every possession for him is a game winning type possession. It's really special to watch. He's one of the league's best offensive rebounders. He has been for a really long time. He's one of the league's best field goal percentage shooters. So now when Dame's getting doubled on the screen and roll and they kick to him, he's able to finish. He's doing a better job of finding guys. Uh, so he's been really special. And then also Derek Jones Jr., who was that other frontline player with Robert Covington, who was acquired this year specifically for the defensive end of the floor. He's been very good on that end, and he's shooting the ball a lot better as the season's going on.
2: Let's talk about C.J. McCollum a little bit, making his return tonight against the Pelicans. Do you sense that he'll have some type of minute restriction tonight, easing back in, or do you think he'll be a full go? I know we might not know that till later on, but is there anything you've
0: heard about what he might happen tonight with him? A lot of times the guys have a minute restriction when they come back. However, with C.J., this is his third time hurting this foot throughout his career and even going back to college. So I, I would believe that him coming back means there's no restrictions. Like you're not coming back until you can go fully. However, typically there is a ministry restriction. So we'll see when game time comes. I can see it either way with, with CJ. A
2: couple more things for you, Lamar. We appreciate you coming on here on a game day. Um, you talked about playing t- the same team twice. You obviously, Blazer experienced that with the Timberwolves. They'll do so in these next two games with the Pelicans. And then after that, it's two games against the Mavericks. How have you liked this so far as a broadcaster, being able to play two teams, um, two games against one team at once? I know maybe this could be something in the future that this they do in the NBA. Uh, is this something that you've enjoyed? Is it something that you like? Or do you want to go back to the old way as far as just how road trips have been constructed?
0: I have enjoyed it, especially if when we start traveling again, we get to do this like in New Orleans. So I could be sitting side by side with James and eating whatever it is he he's eating. There you go. Cities, you don't mind staying a couple extra days in, um, <laughs> but but also, and, and you guys would get this, the the prep work is a lot easier yeah. when you the same team back-to-back. So I've enjoyed it a lot from that standpoint. And then I have really enjoyed just seeing what adjustments or differences the coaches implement. Like for the Blazers, they had a back-to-back earlier this season against Golden State. And in the first game, the Blazers killed Golden State. The second game, Steph Curry has a career high scoring, goes north of 60. And then we just saw it here with the Minnesota back-to-back where the Blazers beat Minnesota the first game in a close game. And then the next day, you got a rookie, Anthony Edwards, who has a career high. So I guess if things stay true to form, then the Pelicans will lose tonight to the Blazers. And then on Thursday, a Pelican is going to have a career high and a winning effort. Um, I hope that's not the case, but that's, that's kind of how it's been going on. But I've enjoyed watching it. I think the Pelicans will certainly take a, a one-on-one
2: uh, stint inside yeah. the Moda Center. Um, that's for sure. Um, before I let you go here, obviously these two teams played um, at the end of the first half of the season. You mentioned Damian Lillard coming up clutch at the end of the ball game. Uh, what did you learn about that matchup as these two teams will conclude their season series on Thursday? What'd you learn about that, that matchup, at least maybe on the Pelican side, that will uh,
0: help you out tonight during the broadcast? The main thing is what I saw at the end of that game. So you guys might remember this. At the end of the game, uh, Coach Van Gundy seemed to make a really concerted effort uh, where he, on the ball screen, was really loading the strong side. And then they were taking away Ennis Cantor, who was the role man in the middle because before that Dame was really having his way both on the point of attack on the screen and then the passes he was making out of it and there were like two or three plays in a row where the Pelicans defense adjusted they took that pass away and there were a couple turnovers the Blazers had and so i remember at the end of that game talking to my play-by-play partner and saying Dame's going to have to throw the skip pass because they're they're loading up they're taking away all of his first looks and then Dame doesn't even throw the skip pass because he just starts turning the corner against the big that kept kind of help. And so uh, no matter what Coach Van Gundy wanted the team to do behind the screen, it didn't matter because Damian Lover blew it up. He he eliminated all of it by just constantly turning the corner, and that's ultimately how he ended up winning the game for the team. So I'm going to be looking at that because that's something that I felt like I learned throughout that game, which was, oh, no, New Orleans – They didn't look like in quarters one through three, like they had the personnel that could slow him up a little bit. But for a few possessions late in the fourth quarter, it looked like they had the personnel, the IQ to take away Dame's looks at the screen. And of course, an elite player like, like him, he was able to figure it out. And so I just want to see how that plays out in tonight's game.
2: What about Zion Williamson? He had 36 points in, in the loss that night, too. Um, obviously, you guys are without two of your bigs, Nurkic and Zach Collins. How, how do the Blazers adjust? With It's been a hard time for anyone to stop him. What did the Blazers do to try to contain Zion Williamson tonight? I
0: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. The, like, There's no easy answer. There's no uh, remedy. He reminds me, in a way, philosophically, of the Houston Rockets team's Um, of the last three, four years. And what I mean by that is, those Rockets teams were the easiest teams to scout, but the hardest teams to defend. You knew they're gonna isolation, you know James Harden's gonna go one-on-one, but nobody can stop him. But you know what they're gonna do. With Zion, you know he's not looking to shoot a three, you know he's trying to get to the paint, but you still can't stop him from getting there. And it's, it's the wildest thing watching because every, like you'll see some of the league's best defenders that can't cut this dude off. And it just really speaks to how unique of a talent he is and how special he is. I'm not sure where the Blazers would go. Uh, Robert Covington is always kind of their guy that they try to put against size and quickness like a Zion. Also Derek Jones, who I referenced earlier. Those those are the the first two guys that you think of against Zion. But you guys know it's gotta be a team effort. It can't be one-on-one. Blazers have to be alert off the basketball and uh, hope that you could force them to kick it out and that the Pelicans are having a cold shoe night because when your guys are are on from long distance, it's a rough night for anybody they're playing against. Should be a fun one tonight in Portland. That's Lamar Hurd, who is the
2: television analyst for the Portland Trailblazers. Lamar, I really appreciate the time on this game day. Enjoy the games as well, and hopefully we'll be able to see you in person real soon.
0: Thank you. Sounds good. You guys have a good one.
2: You too. Great stuff there from Lamar Heard. Really learned a lot about the Portland Trailblazers. Two important meetings uh, between these two teams here tonight and on Thursday. But more importantly, Jim, what the heck were you eating during the podcast (laughs) that uh, made Lamar start drooling a little bit?
3: (laughs) You know, I apologize for eating during the podcast, but we're doing this kind of late lunchtime, and I hadn't eaten yet. So the answer to the question is I made myself a little bit of a crab roll, some little cheese, some lettuce, some crab, which I absolutely love. I try to eat as much seafood as I possibly can, so that that was the answer for for that uh, that question. I I apologize that uh, he, uh, he he got a little distracted for a second there. And one, it's funny. Quick side note: I uh, my name always comes up as James on the uh, on the yeah. thing. I've been trying to change that, and I cannot for the life of me figure out how to change the the name. It's it's set at I, whatever I signed up for. It, it came in as James. So that if people are confused as to who the fourth member of the podcast he refers to (laughs) as James that that was me so just just FYI that's his (laughs) alter ego the guy that eats food in the middle of a podcast that's James or Tim Eichenhofer
2: exactly yeah it was I blame him I blame that guy it's his fault yeah well maybe next time Jim will join us or maybe tomorrow you'll join us for Ryan Anderson that sound will Jim join us for Ryan Anderson Jim will be there definitely well before we get to that real quick this is an important road trip for the Pelicans again every game is certainly important but after two huge wins And we circled these eight games on the calendar, Jim, when we looked at the second half of the schedule, starting with the Clippers and ending with the Boston Celtics on March 29th. You already got a win, which was very important against the Clippers. But these two against Portland and then Sunday at Denver, this can really set the tone for those eight games. So very important stretch here for New Orleans.
3: It really is. And one of the things I noted in uh, the five things to know that I write Monday through Thursday, uh, someone else does it on Fridays, but this morning was in – the nba.com power rankings, John Schumann always lists one team to watch each week. And this week he picked the Pelicans because coming off of the great performance against the Clippers, one of the best teams in the league and obviously a route of the Cavs. I think he and a lot of people around the league want to see if how the Pelicans are going to follow that up. So it's a great, it's a very important stretch, but I think in terms of confidence and trying to show that they've turned a corner, even though I know Stan Van Gundy, has said repeatedly, there is no corner, there's no turning. But uh, either way, I think these games are – this is a very important game tonight. I think a lot of people are looking forward to this game in terms of Pelicans fans as well, just to see, like, are these last two games a sign of what's to come as far as the second half of the season? Or are they going to revert back to some of the issues that they've had, especially on the road with inconsistency or just poor play? So really interesting game tonight. I think a lot of people will be tuned in. Obviously it's on TNT. It's a national game as well. So, but this stretch is, is, is tough. I mean, you're playing some of the best teams in the West. If you do either stay in the playoff hunt or hopefully make the playoffs in May, this might be a l- little bit of a gauge of how you can compete against some of these teams. Cause this is the caliber of squads that are going to be there in the playoffs in the Western conference come late May.
2: All right. Grab your coffee. It's a late one tonight, nine o'clock central time. As Jim mentioned, you can watch it on TNT. You can also watch it locally on Fox Sports New Orleans or listen on ESPN New Orleans, 100.3 of them. As I'm saying this, he's taking another bite of his crab roll. So James, Eichenhoffer,
3: It's so good. I have to finish
2: this. Just trying to scarf down his lunch here as we wrap up the podcast, but we'll have another one. As we mentioned tomorrow, Jim, maybe Jim will join me as we'll talk to Ryan Anderson. Look, the evolution of the three point shot has certainly changed the way the NBA game has gone. And why not ask someone like Ryan Anderson who had a lot of success shooting the three from beyond the arc. So we'll have Ryan Anderson on Wednesday and hopefully give you a little bit of a March Madness preview at the end of the week with some players to watch. I know everyone loves this time of year filling out a bracket, but for NBA fans, you know, the Pelicans, the plethora of first-round picks, um, it might be good to to start watching some games here and figure out which guys might suit the Pelicans come the draft in in June. James, enjoy the rest of the crab roll, and uh, I'll look forward to seeing Jim tomorrow. You tell Jim he better be... you better be there tomorrow for Ryan Anderson.
3: Jim will be there tomorrow, but it depends on how hungry James is.
2: So we'll okay. we'll, we'll see. All right, we'll talk to you tonight on the radio, eight thirty p.m. pregame. Same goes for Fox Sports New Orleans until tomorrow for James. I can offer. I'm Daniel Salardson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by C.